0: chapter sixteen of a christmas honeymoon by francis Amar matthews this librivox recording is in the public domain and a little child shall lead them benny went up to bloomingdale and annie and ned were married and beneath the smiles of miss polly maniere entirely forgot both his grandmother and the christmas tree pillows and keys oats peas beans and barley grows little sally waters a santa claus with a bag full of toys and comfits all served to distract the little boy's thoughts but when word came in at half after nine that the butler had called for master de la curo the whole of the secret rushed back into the little boy's brain and all the way down the omnibus from fifty-second street his energies were taken up with wondering as to what and how it would all be when he reached home that is almost all the way for by the time the stage was jolting over fifth avenue in and out of the ruts and gullies of the big snowfall little peter had fallen fast asleep in shadow's arms nor did he waken when they got out nor while shadow carried him up the two blocks and up the stoop and into the house and laid him on the leather lounge in the dining-room the lord love him let him sleep bridget adjured as she slipped off his coat and cap and pulled his velvet suit straight and smoothed his curls covering him with an afghan sure it'll be better entirely for the two of them to meet alone by themselves shadow nodded emphatically as they both tiptoed out of the room turning the gas down to a point and leaving the door on the crack they went into the pantry and waited peter van Sant waited too he was in the drawing room. He stood quite in the middle of the velvet carpet with the medallion of roses in the blue border. His eyes went over the blue and gold brocatelle sofas and chairs, the etargere with its burden of bohemian glass, alabaster figures, wedgewood plaques, the whatnots in the corners, the paper mache tables inlaid with mother of pearl, the easel with the vivid cropsy on it and in the space between the two marble columns dividing the long room stood the finest christmas tree that jefferson market could afford peter van zant had been shopping indeed there were toys for a little boy of all sorts and kinds bags of millard's bonbons many parcels labeled for bridget and chattel the coachman the charwoman the washwoman the chimney-sweeper the postman the lamplighter the milkman the choir boys of gray street the newsman the policeman the dustman mr van zant had not forgotten any one and there were boxes of silks and laces and furs and jewels for betty van zant books and flowers and an indian shawl rare carvings from the newly opened ports of japan and china all the prettiest things he could find the whole tree decked out too with yards of tinsel fringes and balls sparkling in the gleam of dozens of tiny candles in their metal sconces he had ordered the biggest logs to be piled on the hearth already the pussycats had found this out and were basking in the blaze nor had they been neglected by the master. Three splendid collars with huge bows of red ribbon hung on a branch marked for Stradivarius, Old Bull, and Paganini. Three fine painted saucers too for their milk. For Van Zant had taken the butler and Bridget somewhat into his confidence perforce. At twenty minutes past ten, he crossed the hall to glance at the sleeping lad. Then he returned to the drawing room, his watch in hand she must be coming soon far off sleigh bells nearer nearer still a full stop before the door he recognized a paster's voice speaking although he had not heard it in years shadow had heard the cutter stop too and yet neither he nor bridget moved in their pantry peter van zandt himself stepped out and opened the front door then retreated unseen to the drawing-room closing that after him betty must not be forced into a meeting betty must come herself this was the masterful first thought which he stood on the medallion carpet hugging to his starved soul betty had gone betty must come back betty entered the hall she had shaken hands with nick and exchanged all sorts of merry wishes with him in the vestibule for his horse was restive and he dared not leave it out of sight nick had shut the door himself and the bells had set up their music as betty stepped inside what confronted her the open arch the curtains gone the wall she had believed built up there vanished the vista clear of the library on the other side her heart beating to burst she went over to the sill she saw the mahogany door wide swung a rusty key in its lock she paused to look about her no one was to be seen nothing heard save the cricket on peter's hearth she went into the room yes she did on the table lay the violin case the godey's lady's book her own little last note to peter and an empty velvet passepartout betty stood still and stared around at it all the room was forlorn handsomely furnished of course but the forlorn disappointed place of the lonely man where was peter where was the wall how desolate it was just the cricket singing to himself on christmas eve where was the little boy where were shadow and bridget who had opened the front door for her why was everything so still her mink cape slipped from her shoulders she began to set the chairs more amably to pull the lounge round toward the fire to straighten the books and papers to make the ornaments on the mantel more acquainted she set the clock right it was half an hour slow she took up the little hair broom and brushed the hearth clean put the andirons closer and the poker and tongs and shovel upright Place the drop light over the centre of the table and then with a little sigh half of complacency half of poignant unreasonable expectancy betty turned to go back whence she came she met someone at the sill someone who had said to himself she must come instead he had gone to find her he did not speak He took her into his arms, to his heart, his kisses upon her lips, all the pent-up, long-restrained passion of a whole man throbbing in his veins for her. While they stood there looking into each other's eyes, in the silence that is more than any words in any language, the little boy had wakened from his nap, and having got a glimpse of the tree, came running to look for his people. "'Grandmama!' he called halting at the foot of the stairs have you come home yes peter van zant answered for her oh monsieur monsieur little peter heard the voice of his friend but did not as yet see him and now he whispered as he peered round toward the drawing-room of course where the tree stood where are you and is it that you have found the happiness monsieur as you promised and can i give it to grandmamma tonight?" then the little boy espied them and ran up to them and peter van zant said yes i have found happiness and given it i think to your grandmama. ask her and betty said yes it is so and the little boy clapped his hands for joy as he exclaimed oh grandmamma now you see that the stranger is quite entirely a gentleman as i said his childish eyes were a little toward the place of the christmas tree pierre betty said gravely yes madame grandmere as gravely this is your grandpapa dear the one we pray for every night the little boy put out his hand very seriously to the man i am glad monsieur grandpapa i will tell brigitte it was the key to happiness And now, he cast wide eyes across the hall. It is the Christmas tree, I expect, yes? His other hand went to Betty's, and he led them over to the drawing room, one on either side, and they all beheld the glory of the tree and the glory of the joy of a little child, for remembrance of the godchild who once came down to earth. Presently, Peter Van Zandt asked, Pierre, Can you fetch me my violin from that other room i can monsieur grandpapa the little boy ran and brought it over the fire is low peter van zant said as he took the violin from its case then he laid it on the logs and it crackled and burned into a fierce blaze and the strings moaned perhaps with sorrow up into the chimney and the rosin on the bow spurted blue and the sparks flew upon the pussy-cat's fur and made them mew in a melancholy resentful fashion as if for one of their own kin peter said to his wife it has never been out of its case since the day you went away as her hand crept into his as the little boy went to fetch chattel and bridget the voices made for the holy eve the holiest eve the world has ever seen the voices of children boy children from the choir of the church they had been married in began to sing outside in the garden the wonderful anthem of the blessed child behold i bring to you good tidings of great joy for which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a saviour which is christ the lord and little peter said softly is it not that we shall kneel down monsieur grand and they all knelt down together until the anthem was finished then the little boy got up and began to dance and hop and the gifts were given and as bridget at last carried the little boy upstairs to his bed he whispered to her "But Brigitte, it was indeed the key to happiness yes when he was safely in bed covered up with his down quilt miss supple went down the back stairs to her kitchen finding shadow there waiting for her shat said miss supple somewhat hesitantly as she smoothed out her apron i'm after thinkin that maybe them bands biddy replied shadow them bands have been read for us three times father o'shaughnessy and meself fixed it up between us to do it at high mass each time where you yourself could not be and will be married to-morrow christmas day in the mornin in the drawing-room standing together on the medallion carpet he had bought to furnish the bride's homecoming with were peter van zant and his wife in the silence of the night in the deeper silence of the earliest morning no sound but the tick of the old clock on the stairs he put his arm around her and led her to the window that looked toward the east they saw a star shining above them brighter than all the other stars of heaven and its light seemed to him to shine upon her to her as if it shone upon him and near the star shone the moon a slip of silver he glanced up at it, then down at her. Our moon, she whispered shyly. Our honeymoon. It's going to be a Christmas honeymoon, Betty, ours is. We'll start away together alone, my dear one, on Christmas Day. Then he took the card to visit from his pocket and showed it to her. Your child. Our child. Ah, oh, Betty. Betty, my wife my love, my all, at last. And Betty, between smiles and tears, and with all the memories of all the years hovering in her soul, had only heart of grace to lay her head upon her husband's shoulder and say, Merry Christmas, dearest man of my heart. I'll go on the Christmas honeymoon whenever you say. End of chapter 16 End of A Christmas Honeymoon by Francis Amar Matthews Recording by Jen Broda